Alright, Erev Tov. Today's shiur is for, dedicated for the Refuah of our dear friend Dr. Arthur Platt, Chaim Ozer Benea. It's also for the Refuah of Aliyah Bat Uziah Obadiah. Uh, we wish both of them a Refuah We are in the PDF that says Keter Shem Tov, Volume 3. And I'm going through the list of differences that Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin chooses to highlight between Sevaradim and Ashkenazim. One of these differences is a difference in Surat HaOtiyot. So if you look at Yud Chet, he writes, Sefaradim, the Sefaradim, Surat HaOtiyot Basefer Torah, the shape of the letters in the Sefer Torah, they are not the same as the writing in the Sefer Torah as B'nai Ashkenaz. And if you look at footnote 61, he writes, and he sends you to his first volume of Keter Shem Tov. We'll deal with that soon, in just a moment. And I expanded on this topic very much, says Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin elsewhere. Because there is actually a halachic ramification to this difference between Sevaradim and Ashkenazim. There are from our earlier rabbis, There are from our earlier rabbis who say that a Sephardic person is not allowed to take an aliyah in an Ashkenazi Sefer Torah, means forbidden to recite the blessing over an Ashkenazi Sefer Torah. And it's forbidden to don Ashkenazi Tefillin with a Beracha. That are written in Ashkenazi writing. And there I argued with the opinion of the Poskim. And I proved that all of this is permissible. So says Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin, whereas this difference might seem minor, we have different scripts when it comes to writing a Sefer Torah. Don't underestimate this, because there are poskim who are of the opinion that a Sephardic Jew is forbidden from receiving an Aliyah and reciting a blessing on a Sephardic, an Ashkenazi Sefer Torah, and the same with Tefillin, and presumably that would extend to other places as well. That being said, I want to take you back to what we started just at the tail end of last week's shiur. We opened the other PDF, so if you look at Keter Shem Tov 1, you want to open up the PDF that says Keter Shem Tov 1. And over there, you'll find yourself, why not, let's look at the cover page here. So Keter Shem Tov Volume 1. is the original Keter Shem Tov. It has Shnei Chalakim. It's made up of two parts. Look at the cover page. Yachil bo ta'amea minhagim v'ashinuim b'nuschei ha'tifilo shel svaradim v'mizrach uven ha'svaradim sh'ba'arav uven minhagi ha'ashkenaz. He says, this book is intended to explain the differences mostly in tefillah. So this is really what these two volumes are dedicated to. 
between the Sephardim of the East, the Sephardim of the West, and Ashkenazim. Now, Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin is in a unique position to write this book because he is from Yerushalayim. Consider that community that he is affiliated with more Eastern of Sephardim, perhaps. And here he is the rabbi of the Spanish Portuguese in the United Kingdom, where he is dealing very much with the Western Sephardim and Bnei Ashkenaz. That I've included all of the sources I possibly could from the Babylonian Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud, and the writings of the earlier and later rabbis. And he signs his name, Eved Adonai Hatzair, the servant of Hashem, Shem Tov Gagin, Sefet Tav, or there's a few different ways you could read that one. Rosh Av Bedin, Moret Sedek, Dikos Sfaradim Banglia, the Av Betadin, and the Posek of the Sfaradim in England. Verosh Shivat Ohel Moshev Yudit Motifiori. And the Rosh Shiva of Ohel Moshe and Yudit. If you look in the next page, and I think it's very interesting that this book, even though he's living in the United Kingdom, is sent back to Lithuania to be printed in Lithuania. I have no idea as to the history of this and why Lithuania had a better printing press than the United Kingdom, but that's how it was printed. He dedicates this book, the Zecher Asara Gadol Mivsaroz Megadol Moshe Diosef Eliyahu Motifiori Zan, in honor of Moshe Motifiori and his wife, Yehudit Motifiori. And then in the next page, he dedicates this book to his parents, Rabbi Yitzchak Gagin, and his mother, the Rabbanit Rivka Gagin. I found that the way he signed his name, he wrote, Binchem Hanushek Bedema Afarchem. Your son who is kissing with tears, your dust, and is yearning for when you will see the revival of the dead with your own eyes. But now we're on page Shin Chavav. That was just a slight tangent. And I'm going to read to you again what we read at the end of last week's Shiyum. It should say Shin Chavav at the top right of the page. Shin Chavav. Do you see that? It should be maybe page four of your PDF. Yeah, perfect. Says Rabbi Four? Yeah, perfect. Says Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin. It's been three years. Nasati Amsterdam. I traveled to Amsterdam. Now you should know that in modern Hebrew, we normally don't say anymore. In the, in the Torah, you'll find that the Jewish people went Mitzrayma. They went to Egypt. Mitzrayma. Uh, if you use this in Israel today and you say, I want to go, I don't know, Tel Aviv or uh, however, Yerushalayim. So that's proper Hebrew, but for whatever reason, it's not used in spoken Hebrew. Yet he's writing like a Tamichacham who's writing a book. He writes Amsterdam, meaning he went to Amsterdam. To become familiar with the customs of my brothers, the Savaradim. And when I came to pray in the synagogue in Amsterdam, I saw that 
that they do not call any Ashkenazi Jews to receive Aliyot in the Sefer Torah. And this made me very angry, says the Bishop of Nadi. What kind of better class it doesn't allow Ashkenazim to receive Aliyot? And when I asked the Parnas, why? Analdi, he answered me, Ken gam ken oagim Ashkenazim, the Ashkenazim have the same custom. Shelo lazmin ish tavaradim, imbalit balel bevet haknesot shalahem. They do not invite Sefaradim to read in their Sefer Torah if he comes to their Bateknesot. Vehaminhagazah, he records as a minhag, it's a custom. That's how old this custom is. Nahug ad hayom, lemin hayom shebao ashtay adot ishtakea barei Hollandia. And this is the custom since Sefaradim and Ashkenazim met each other in Holland that they do not invite each other into their, each other's synagogues and they do not give the other aliyot in their Sifrei Torah. And it's also the custom of the Sifaradim there. That if an Ashkenazi guest comes to pray there, they do not allow the Ashkenazi Jew to sit in the central seating of the Bet only in the perimeter of the Bet Knesset, along the walls, there's special seating for Ashkenazim. And there is actually a separation at the entrance of the Bet Knesset. And the decision is up to the Shamash. Who does he allow? He makes a selection by the front door. You, Svaradi, come here. You, Ashkenazi, go there. You, Svaradi, here. You. That's what he does for every person who comes to the Berakneset. This clearly bothers Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin. If you remember, the whole purpose of this introduction is all about unity, how to unite the Jewish community, how to make the Jewish community one. And here he's visiting a Berakneset where they're convincing him the minhag, the custom, is for Svaradim and Ashkenazim to be separate. And when he's asked, why don't you allow Sephardim to receive Aliyot? Just don't worry. By them it's the same thing. If you, Rabbi Gagin, were to go to the Ashkenazim right now, they would not give you an Aliyah in their Sefer Torah. What's going on here? Hirgiz Me'od, it made me very angry. And so today we're going to dwell on this footnote here. Of Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin on page 5. Shin Chaf Zayin. Under the line in the middle of the page. We're going to be reading in the smaller print there today. Does anyone need help finding where I am? It says Shin Ein Zayin. By you it says Shin Ein Zayin? Yeah. Okay, so... Yes, you're right. The footnote is Shin Ein Zayin, but the page on the top is Shin Chav Zayin, no? Oh, right. Sorry, yeah. Yes, okay, perfect. Very good. Mort is correct. The footnote is titled Shin Ein Zayin under the line in the middle of the page. Hasefaradim, he's now telling you some history. Hasefaradim ba'ul ishtakea beholanda bishnat elef chamesh motishim v'shalosh. The Ashkenazim came to Holland in the year 1593. Uvishabat nachamu, shnat taf lamed alef. And in Shabbat nachamu of the year 1675, at the Shabbat after Tisha B'Av, very good. So the Shabbat after Tisha B'Av in the year 1675, Chagigu et Chanukat Habet Mikdash Me'at, 
1675, they dedicated a synagogue that was considered the most beautiful synagogue in Europe. And in the year 1635, In the year 1635 is when the Ashkenazi Jews started going to Amsterdam and began to settle there. Now he sends you to a book called Otsar Yisrael. Is anyone familiar with the book Otsar Yisrael? It's an encyclopedia. Have you heard of it before? Otsar Yisrael was written by a very unique European-born American rabbi. He was a rabbi of the United States. Um, my copy of Otsar Yisrael is in the mail, actually. Believe it or not, I found myself a copy of Otsar Yisrael, uh, printed in 1941. But you can get the PDFs for free on HebrewBooks.org. And he sends you the Rishadov Gagin to Otsar Yisrael, meaning Otsar Yisrael's encyclopedia of 10 volumes that was written by, I think his name was Rabbi Eisenberg. Uh, maybe Eisenman, but I think Eisenberg. Rabbi Julius was his English name. Uh, his Hebrew name is slipping my mind right now. Uh, he was a famous Tamikacham. We just referred to him as the Baal HaOtzot. He was the one who wrote many Otzar this, Otzar that, Otzar HaMusar, Vachuchmar, Otzar HaVikuchim, Otzar HaMinhagim, Otzar... He wrote many, many books with the word Otzar. They just call him the master of the encyclopedias. He was all about making encyclopedias. His whole life he wrote encyclopedias. Uh, for perspective on encyclopedias, I will send you to Chacham uh, Faur's book, Rabbi Israel Moshe Chazan, Ha'ishu Mishnato. There he has an entry. Rabbi Israel Moshe Chazan was livid about this idea of encyclopedias. Encyclopedias allow people who don't know anything in a wholesome fashion to become experts on all kinds of things, but never actually being experts. They're familiar with things, but never actually being experts. Now, on the flip side, there was a generation in which there was a rush to put out as many encyclopedias as you possibly could on all kinds of topics, on all kinds of things, as a way to give people information. There was a thirst for knowledge and people wanted to know and this was the easy way to give people information. I'm not even sure that our generation is a consumer of encyclopedias. Perhaps Wikipedia or those type of encyclopedias, but in terms of print encyclopedias, I believe that that generation has already passed us. I'm not sure for the better, uh, just it has passed us. There was critique on this Otsar Yisrael. On the scientific side, this book was too religious. It viewed the Tanakh as true. It viewed the teachings of our rabbis as important. It was very bothersome to many people that he was not scientific enough. He was too rabbinic. Okay, I guess that's the purpose he was trying to fill, was a rabbinic encyclopedia. Now, on the flip side of this encyclopedia were the more ultra-Orthodox camps who didn't like that he was dabbling into all kinds of sciences and wisdoms and things like that. And so he got in trouble from both directions. But without any uh, doubt, he became perhaps the most famous Jewish encyclopedia that I have seen quoted in rabbinic literature. And here's an example of Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin quoting him. The Ashkenazim, upon coming to Amsterdam, saw that there were Ashkenazi Jews who were leaving their synagogue and they were going as individuals to the Sephardic community. But what were the Sephardim doing here in Amsterdam? Once upon a time, Amsterdam was part of the Inquisition. What was going on here? Why did the Sephardim get there? Why are the Sephardim in Amsterdam? How did they get to Amsterdam? It was 
was um, it was the the it wasn't as bad in the politics of Europe. Very good. So there was a period in which uh, Amsterdam was part of the Inquisition. I mean, Spain was all over the place. Portugal was everywhere. Uh, but but at a certain point in history that changes and part of the decision that is made in Amsterdam is to allow it to be the place of free thought and for people to come in. It doesn't mean that it was perfect. You should know, Amsterdam wasn't perfect, but it was definitely better than the other parts of Europe, especially where the Jews, the Savardim were leaving. So they fled to uh, Amsterdam. You'll find many, many, many Chachamim that come there. They're from families of Anusim, people who have been hiding their Jewish faith, and they come to Amsterdam to get above ground and finally be able to be Jewish publicly and then to show that part of them again. Uh, a famous Chacham that sticks out of my mind is Rabbi Menashe ben Israel. Rabbi Menashe ben Israel, whose family is a family of Anusim, but comes here uh, to Amsterdam to get away. He, in his lifetime, builds the most successful printing press in Europe at the time, publishes hundreds of books, Sephardic books at first, and then he expands that to Ashkenazi books and all kinds of other books that go back across Europe. Now, it's still not uncommon to find books from the era of Menashe ben Israel floating around. Rabbi Menashe ben Israel was one of these Chachamim who's in this time period here. The Ashkenazim come to Amsterdam, and certain Ashkenazim, for whatever reason, don't find themselves in the Ashkenazi community, and they go to pray at the local Spanish-Portuguese Sephardic community. And this becomes a major problem for the Ashkenazi establishment. The reason? The Ashkenazi Jews would pay their yearly uh, tax. There was a tax, a communal tax, membership, you want to call it, whatever it was. To be part of this, the Jewish community, you had to be a member somewhere. I don't know how it is in the United Kingdom, but in the United States, people go wherever it's free. So they eat Kiddush over here free, they go eat uh, lunch over there free, they go to Mircha there that's free. They go to... People have a very hard time committing to one place. But it used to be that you were part of a community. That's what gave you standing in the community. Very often it was a legal responsibility. The, the non-Jewish government needed you to be part of a community. So you would pay your yearly tax to the community. And these Ashkenazi Jews were pray, paying their money into the Sephardic Kupa, into the central Sephardic fund. And the same thing happened to the Sephardim. For whatever petty politics, they got mad at the central establishment of the Sephardim. They would leave the Bedakneset. And they decided to go pray in the Bedakneset of the Ashkenazim. And everybody saw that based on this trend of people jumping from community to community, the kupot, the, the funds of the synagogues, were going to be depleted. Amdu the two communities stood up. and they agreed together. that they will not invite the other to read the Torah or get aliyot on the Torah in their community. This is what I heard. Says Rabbi Gagin. A brief history of the settlement of Jews in Holland and Amsterdam. When Ashkenazim came, by the way, it took a very long time for the Ashkenazim to establish themselves as an independent community in Amsterdam. This happens in many places, in Yerushalayim, in Egypt, and where there are Ashkenazim that come to a majority Sephardic place. And they want to have their own community. For the beginning, they are burying their dead in the Sephardic cemetery. They're paying their taxes to the Sephardic kahal. They're praying in the Sephardic synagogue. At a certain point in time, there's enough momentum or whatever it is to make their own of everything. 
there are certain places where Sephardim fought very hard that Ashkenazim should not separate into two separate kilos. So for example, Ribi Rafael Aharon ben Shimon, we read about in Egypt, worked very hard that the Sephardim and Ashkenazim, why would we bury each other separately? Why, why separate to that point? But at a certain point, he couldn't, he couldn't hold back. The Ashkenazim wanted to do that. In other places, it was another way around. Ashkenazim wanted to do Shekhita, according to Ashkenazi practice, and the Sephardim in Jerusalem wouldn't let them. Then this became a big politics with the Turks and everything else. Says Abishan Dulgagin, I heard the reason for this custom of not respecting each other in the Batekness and not giving each other aliyot has to do with this financial situation that was in the 15 1600s. and truthfully, Nivhalti Mishmoa, I was terrified to hear this. I was, I was blown away negatively to hear such a takana. And after researching this well, it can be that for such a small petty reason, they would institute such a takana achzarit, a cruel decree like this one. It can be. He said, most likely, says Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin, the reason for the separation between the two communities is not financial, but it was because there were two different types of handwriting in the Sifrei Torah of the Sefaradim and Ashkenazim, and this posed the halachic problem, and the way to solve the halachic problem was not to allow those who are Sephardim to read from our Sivrei Torah of Ashkenazim, and vice versa, Ashkenazim shouldn't read from our Sivrei Torah the Sephardim because it is forbidden to them. Now, I'm going to be honest with you right now, and as I'm not sure, I'm not sure that Rabbi Shem Tov Ragin really didn't think that it was money that separated communities. For those of us who've been around the Jewish community long enough, much smaller things than money have, have separated Jewish communities into two. I think what Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin is doing is he's trying to show you the real difference is a halachic difference. I can get rid of the halachic difference so that we can go back to being one community altogether. This is really the strategy. Now, I can't read something into his writings he doesn't say, but uh, Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin was too much of a chacham to think that money was not a big deal. Money was a big deal. It could be that now it's not a big deal anymore. And because of that, if the only thing that separates us is the halacha, let's solve the halachic problem. Let's read. Hagon Chida B'Vakei Yosef. Rabbi Chaim Yosef David Azulai from Morocco. In his B'Vakei Yosef, Katav, Mishem Hagionim Moharam Ben Chabib Umari Molcho. He wrote in the names of Moharam Ben Chabib and Mori Molcho. Kidveyad, that he saw in their handwriting. V'zele Shono. And he, this is his words, the Chida. Tefillin Mikhtav Ashkenazim. Ashkenazi Tefillin. Written in Ashkenazi writing. Diyesh Shinui B'Tsurat HaOtiyot Ben Bnei Ashkenaz Ben Bnei Sfarad. And there's a difference in handwriting between, uh, I'm using handwriting as meaning the, the script of the Sefer Torah. There's a difference in the script between the Ashkenazi letters and the Sephardic letters. The Ashkenazi writing is pasul for Sephardim, says the Chida. He sees this in the writings of Moram ben Chabib and Mori Molcho. Let me pause there just for a moment. You may be familiar currently in the Sephardic world there's an opinion, for example, Chamavad Yosef, who says that Ashkenazi Tefillin, many of them are Pisulin for Sfaradim also, but not for this reason. Are you familiar with what he was writing about there? Anyone know why Chamavad Yosef writes that? Okay, so I can't hear you, Pam. You're speaking, but 
Because they're in different order. Very good. So it's, it's close. The order, not necessarily, but there's a, a taz. The taz, Tureza Hav, he added a chumah. His chumah was to add a space in the middle of a paragraph. I understand. I'm not a sofer. So in the middle of a paragraph, he added a space. He, that's a chumah for him. The problem is that space that he added seems to be a psul, according to the Rambam and the Shukhan And so not all Ashkenazim follow the stringency of the taz. But the stringency of the taz and those Ashkenazim who follow it may be invalidating the tefillin according to Rambam and Maran, and that could pose a problem in forces of Aradim. Uh, but that's not as old as this story, and that's something fairly recent. Uh, there are many communities that don't do that. If I had last checked, I don't think Chabad follows the Taz, for example, so their tefillin would not pose a halachic issue for the Aradim. Uh, and that's always according to Chamdi Yosef, who said it was an issue. I'm not, I, I haven't studied the... the uh, the problem well enough to tell you if everyone would agree or not, but this is an entirely different conversation. This is saying that the tefillin of the Ashkenazim are pesulin because of the script of the, of the tefillin, of the writing. Umihun, nonetheless, b'sha'at adchak, if it's a pressing moment, de'en tefillin mikhtav sefaradim mitzu'inno, that you have no sefaradi tefillin, you have no access to that. Yaniach ha-tefillin di Ashkenaz, he should put the Ashkenazi tefillin on, so you shouldn't lose out on the mitzvah of tefillin, but he should put them on without a blessing. By the way, just at the origin of this, if he does not have access to kasher tefillin, are you saying it's better to put on pasul tefillin instead of kasher tefillin? Or Ashkenazi tefillin are not so pasul? I mean, you get a mitzvah with them? You get a mitzvah with them, why not recite a blessing? If you can't recite a blessing, what mitzvah is there in wearing them? But this is one of those things. Wear it, but don't recite a blessing. And there in the Berkei Yosef he wrote, Says in another place in Berkei Yosef, that you should learn from here that a Sefer Torah of Ashkenazim is pasul for Sevaradim, and a Sefer Torah of Sevaradim is pasul for Ashkenazim. Because of the differences in the Ashuri, in the, in the Torah font, in them. And look what he writes in his book, Yosef Omets, about the same topic. So the Chida introduces, based on the handwriting of Mohoram ben Khabib and Mahari Molcho, that there is an issue with Ashkenazi script for Sevaradim in Tefillin. And the only time is if you don't have tefillin, you should wear the Ashkenazi tefillin without a blessing. When it comes to Sifrei Torah, though, it's pasul for everybody all around. Sifaradim for Ashkenazim and Ashkenazim for Sifaradim. Says the Bishop Tov Gagin, Aval divrei harosh If you look in the Rosh, the writings of the Rosh, in his Teshuvah, Vuva betur yoredea, and it's brought down in the Tur, in yoredea. Mashma Hashem devar me'akev. It seems that the difference in writing between Sevaradim and Ashkenazim is not ma'akev. It doesn't create a halachic problem. Yes, there may be a preference for Sevaradim to write Sivrei Torah in the Sephardic writing, or Ashkenazim, vice versa, but so much so. This is what he writes. Says the two. There are many differences. Maybe it's the Rosh. I don't know exactly who you're quoting here. There are many differences. I think we're quoting that too. In handwriting between the countries of Ashkenaz, which he calls Artenu, our lands, because it's an Ashkenazi family in Spain, 
the handwriting of our lands is very different than the current land of Sepharad that we're in right now. Then pisul bishurizeh. And there's no, there's no psul at all. There's nothing wrong with this. And just make sure you don't make the hay into a chet or the kaf into a bet. That would be pasul. Like what the Gemara says. But the, the differences in font, that's not a psul. That's not a problem. And the Gon Pachad Yitzchak Lamponti, he wrote, he found in the book of Divrei Mordechai, that he asked Rabbi Yaakov Nunez Vayas. I'll tell you the truth, I'm not familiar with Rabbi Yaakov Nunez Vayas. I am familiar with Rabbi Yitzchak Nunez Vayas, who wrote a book called Siach Yitzchak on the Talmud, another maybe Shalva Chuvot, it lives around the same time period. It could be that this is a typo here. It could be that it's meant to refer to Rabbi Yitzchak and it said Resh Yud and it was, you know, written up incorrectly. But I don't know. I don't want to say it's a mistake. I wrote in my notes over here that this may be Rabbi Yitzchak Nunez Vayas who passed away in the year 1770. But you can look this up on your own. The Anidonze, he was asked about this. What about the mezuzot that come to us from Ashkenaz? That their writing is very different than our writing. But have you ever seen Sephardic and Ashkenazi writing side by side? When we say very different, is it impossible to read one over the other? No. Do they look different? Can you tell when you look if it's Sephardic or Ashkenazi? I think so. I don't think it takes too much knowledge of, of Safut to tell the difference. Ashkenazi letters are, are fairly thinner. They, they're a little more italicized. Uh, some of the shins are definitely pointed more at the bottoms. Uh, the, Sephardim, the writing is a little more bold, a little more uh, prominent on the page, a little less italicized. But more than that, Mishunot yeah, they're very different. Meaning all across the board it's different. Uh, Unrecognizable? No. And they asked him, is it going to be a problem to put Ashkenazi mezuzot on our doorpost? From his writings, words it seems, that he wanted to permit Ashkenazi mezuzot on Sephardic homes. On the top of page 6, and he brought a proof. From his opinion, from this letter of the Rosh, he says, he wanted to say that it's permissible, but once he saw the Chida, he didn't want to argue with the Chida, and he tried to come up with a different way to read this. And Rabbi Yaakov Nunez said that he wrote to the Chida about this, What did you actually see in the writings of Mohoram ben Khabib and Mohari Molcho? Listen carefully. The Chida responds to Rabbi Yaakov Nunez. That he saw this handwritten manuscript while he was about to leave from one city to the next. And that he did not sufficiently analyze what they wrote. 
He saw it in passing, literally as he was leaving from one place to the next. Those of you who are familiar with the life of the Chida, he spends most of his life traveling from country to country to country. He was collecting money very often for different organizations and different kupot. That's why he became so proficient with so many different manuscripts. He would go from one library of a chacham to the next library of a wealthy person, next library of a community. And this was one of those things he saw while he was on the run. And he says to Yaakov Nunez, I didn't really have a chance to examine what these chachamim said. I only recall what they said. So based on this, is Rabbi Shem Tov Kagin. That you could say that the Chida brings something in the name of rabbis, he didn't analyze them properly. It seems unlikely though, says Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin, that this was really the case, as the Chida seems pretty confident in what he wrote in his Birkei Yosef, that Sifrei Torah, Vashkenazim, and Sefaradim are pisulin for each other. Hagaon Chacham Tzvi. Who's the Chacham Tzvi? Tell me anything you know about the Chacham Tzvi. Okay, he was an Ashkenazi rabbi. Spent time in Sephardic countries like Turkey, learned Torah. He was a rabbi in a few, a few different places, yes. Uh, who knows who his son was? You know. He's known as Rabbi Yaakov Ben Zvi. Who was he? Yeah, very good, very good. The Yabetz, or Ashkenazim say the Yaivetz, Rabbi Yaakov Emdin. Rabbi Yaakov Emdin is the son of Chacham Tzvi. Very good. Uh, this is the same Rabbi Yaakov Emdin who says about his father, Chacham Tzvi, that his father said that whoever will abolish the minhag of Kidniot, he wishes for his portion to be with them in the next world. This is a famous Ashkenazi Chacham who also went to Sepharad to learn Torah and really was influenced by that mentality there. Nishal, he was asked, are Ashkenazim allowed to read in a Sephardic Sefer Torah that is written in accordance with the rulings of the Rambam? He said it's, it's completely permissible. He said the shapes or the right font of the letters makes no difference and that this goes two ways for Ashkenazim and Sephardim. But if you look at the end of the letter of Chacham Tzvi, he writes, that he writes these letters, these words, but not lemaase. What does that mean when someone says lehalacha v'lemaase? He's saying, meaning it's, it's, I believe I'm right, but I'm not ruling this. I'm not very good. I'm not ruling this as a matter of practice. Too many fascinating teshuvot, too many really necessary teshuvot in Jewish history end off with some type of disclaimer like this. There are teshuvot of Rabbi Shalom Masas. I will, I will, uh, I, this is a matter of the halakha, but I won't rule it the halakha unless three other rabbis sign on with me. And then we don't know, did it happen, did it not happen? There are too many times in our history where chachamim are being humble, and because of that, we lose out on something terrific. This is one of those cases. Once a chacham says something like the halakha, you should really know that you could discredit the entire thing. I'm going to be teaching later on this year a course on Kashrut in the Chavura. 
And one of the things we're going to analyze there, fish and meat, eating fish and meat together, things like this, Magen Abraham says it's not a problem anymore. It could be that nowadays the people's nature has changed. Eating fish and meat is not uh, dangerous anymore. But just the fact that he wrote the word ifshah, it's possible that. Once he says the word it's possible, he maybe shouldn't have said anything more. Because once he wrote the word ifshah, nobody wants to say, hey, he only wrote ifshah, he didn't write that. So then you took a beautiful sevara and you got rid of it because of one word that disqualified it. Look in the writings of the Me'il Shemuel. I believe this is Rabbi Chaim Shemuel Florentine of Saloniki. I believe it's the same one. I don't have some of these books in my library. In which case, I, I know who the Chachamim are, um, but I can't tell you, I don't have the copy to confirm if Siman Bet is referring to this, and so I'm telling you maybe it's Rabbi, Shemuel, uh, Florent, Rabbi Chaim Shemuel Florentine. Shekatav, he writes, After he quotes the words of the Rosh above, that handwriting doesn't matter, why do we care if the kaf in our Torah is not a kaf in that Torah? And just because Ashkenazi, Sifrei Torah don't look like the Sephardic ones, that's enough of a reason to make a Sefer Torah pasul? What kind of logic is that? Look in the Noda Biyuda's writing in Madara Kama of Noda Batra, he has two parts of the Shadu Vichuvot. Shetir Bezemitam Harav Meir Shemuel. He quotes the Meir Shemuel and he says that it's permissible for Savaradim and Ashkenazim to get Aliyah. Noda Biyuda is a famous Ashkenazi rabbi. So here you have already two Ashkenazi rabbis that are permitting something like this. Vagam Harav Sdeh Haaretz. Harav Sdeh Haaretz. He was the chief rabbi of the rabbis in Israel. Uh, most likely, this is Rabbi Avraham Yuchas. Rabbi Avraham Yuchas was one of the greatest rabbis in Yerushalayim. He lived from 1718 to 1768 in Yerushalayim and really was from the most prestigious Chachamim in Israel at the time. Katav, he writes, Even though there's a difference in the fonts between Sevaradim and Ashkenazim, Nothing is lost halachically in this difference, and because of that, it's permissible for Sephardim and Ashkenazim to use each other's Sifrei Torah. And I am testifying. Rabbi Avram Yuchas says, I'm telling you with my own eyes, I've seen Ashkenazim read from Sephardic Sivrei Torah. I've seen Sephardic Chachamim read from Ashkenazi Sivrei Torah in Yerushalayim. And none of these Chachamim ever said anything about the other Sivrei Torah being Pesunim. And based on this, the tefillin, if the Sefer Torah is fine, for sure tefillin are fine, that are written by Ashkenazim for Sephardim, Sephardim for Ashkenazim, they're all okay. Look in the writings of Zichon Yosef. He also says that it's permissible. Zichon Yosef, if I'm correct in identifying this Chacham, is Rabbi Yosef Steinhardt of Germany. He lived from 1720 to 1776. And all of these Chachamim are saying, not only is the writing of Sephardim good for Ashkenazim, Ashkenazim good for Sephardim, but we have seen Chachamim do this, says Rabbi Avam Yuchas. We've seen the Sephardic Chachamim receive Aliyot and Ashkenazi Sifrei Torah and vice versa. There's no reason to prohibit such a thing.
Now it has become known to me. At the bottom of page 6. These prohibitive teshuvot that are found in, in the writing of Maurim Molcho and Moram al Khabib, Shiskiram Arav Khidal, the Khidal quotes, Shirao Tam Khtavia, and he saw them in handwriting. Ktat Melo teshuvot nit pesu besev kol gadol o Moram al Khabib. Some of them were reprinted in a, later in a book called Kol Gadol of Rubi Moram al Khabib. Uvesiman ein hei huvasham teshuvan don zein and Section 75 or Einchet, maybe 78, it's quoted this topic. V'kadav Sham, he writes, B'tam Eisur Mishum Dekhtav Ashkenazim, Hanun Kefufa, Doma Legimen Shoktav Asvaradim, V'dam Mina Mashkenav Atur, B'shem Tshuvot HaRosh, Linyan Get Haba Merz Mechak, V'yesh Ba'otiyot Shemishtanot M'dina M'dina. He explains the reason is that the Nun in the Ashkenazi writing of his time looked like a Sephardic Gimel. And because of this, a Sephardi would see the Sefer Torah, for him the letters are Gimel, and that would be considered Pasum. Vayen Besefer Get Pashut, look in the book Get Pashut, Vayen Arava Chabif. Arava Chabif is Rabbi Chaim Palaji. Rabbi Chaim Palaji, Besefer Chaim, Uveshut Chaim Bayad, on the top of page 7. Varav Moruk Tziah. Moruk Tziah is Rabbi Yaakov Emdin. Yes? Rabbi Yaakov Emdin is the son of Chacham Tzvi. Shekulam Maskimim Umarivim Lehatir, all of them agree. That it's permissible for Savaradim and Ashkenazim to use each other's safut. And he all say that the change in writing and the font is not pasul. And the Meiri, he writes the same thing in Masechet Shabbat. And in his book, Kirat Sefer, that if you see letters that are different between France and Spain, the differences do not disqualify each other. And look at the writings of Moshe Galanti. We mentioned him. He was a rabbi in Yerushalayim at the time of Shabtai Tzvi. His students, Rabbi uh, Moshe Chagiz, we spoke about him. Uh, we mentioned another one of his students, Pri uh, Chadash, remember who goes to Turkey to fight Shabtai Tzvi. We spoke about these rabbis. They're all right that these things are permissible. So, so far, Rabbi Shem shows you, I have two rabbis in a handwritten manuscript that said that Ashkenazi writing is no good for Savaradim. The Chida quotes these two rabbis. In passing, he quotes them. And all of this has created a minhag, a monster of a minhag, that Savaradim and Ashkenazim should not be allowed to read in each other's Badei Knesset in the Sefer Torah. By the way, I will tell you right here, before I finish what Rabbi Shem writes, there are so many things in the Jewish community that are divisive, but are not actually of any substance. I'm not saying that the writings of Moab al-Khabib, Mori Molcho are not of substance. But it's, it's a little something that comes along and changes the whole world. How many Chumrot, Chumrot, Chumrot are, are brought from a footnote of somewhere in the Mishnah Berurah, somewhere in a, in a book somewhere else. How many of those things are so important that it's worth splitting Am Yisrael into? Two parts about it. You think of, of real halachot and the Talmud and the Rabbam and the Shulchan Aruch, nobody keeps. Now we're in the three weeks. All of these things people are busy with, and music and haircuts and shaving and, and marriage and engagements and a cappella music, uh, real music, live concerts, meet in the nine days, meet in the week of Tisha B'Av, no, of Tisha B'Av. what about the day afterwards, can we wash our clothes, do we not wash our clothes, are we allowed to dry them? All of these things people are writing about. Do you know how many halachot about Khuban Ben Mikdash exist the whole year? That nobody does them? 
You know how many halakhot are in the Shukhar Aruch? Not so far away from where these ones are mentioned. About weddings, about Shabbat tables, about clothes, about all kinds of things. Painting your house, all kinds of halakhot, real halakhot that are mentioned mostly in Talmudic writings. Of things that we're not allowed to do because of Chumad Badamikdash. Nobody cares about it. Comes the three weeks, the nine days, the week of, the day after. All of this madness. Of course, there are things we have to do. I didn't tell you all of them are mutarim lachem, mutarim lachem, mutarim lachem. But what are you going to divide Amisal over? Over real things or little? There might be some things that we need to fight about. Cool, okay. But keep those fights for things that are important. For this? Because a nun and a gimel are a little different from each other. But he's not done. He wants to mention one more thing to us. If you look in the Shara Kavanot, I was going to bring my Shara Kavanot, but I, I didn't. I left it at home. The Shara Kavanot of Darizal. Who wrote Shara Kavanot of Darizal? Mikhail Vital, very good. Sof Derush Bet Mentivinin. He writes, Shiesh Remez Vesod de Shnei Hatsurot, the Chtivat Ashkenazim Asvardim, the Shinuim. That there is deep significance and Kabbalah behind the difference in the writing of the letters between Sevardim and Ashkenazim. They correspond to different things. And there's all kinds of differences in letters that refer to all kinds of different things. And somebody who merited to really understand Kabbalah, look in the Lavush, you can look in the Levush, in his writings based on the Shara Kavanot, there's deep Kabbalistic significance, Lurianic Kabbalistic significance, to the difference in the letters between Ashkenazim and the Sephardim. And look in the writings of Rabbi Eretz Chaim. if I'm not mistaken, this is Eretz Chaim, Rabbi Chaim Satan, Look at all these different comparisons between Sephardic and Ashkenazi letters. Go look at the Sephardic writing of today, compare it to existing Sephardic writing we have from the past. Rabbi Moshe Zabaro was one of the big Sephardic Chachamim, he was a Sofer. They say about his Sefer Torah that there was no mistake in his manuscripts ever. He was from Italy from 1579 to 1647. They were big experts in the writings of Sivre Torah. Go look and compare. Maybe all of our Sivre Torah are wrong. How do you know? You started saying the letters are wrong here, letters are wrong there. Notice again, wherever Rabbi Shantov Gagin says he visits Sevaradim, he calls them Sevaradim. Morocco, they're Sevaradim. Here, they're Sevaradim. There, Sevaradim. Again, it goes back to the point that I made at the beginning of this whole course, that Sevaradim has nothing to do with the ethnicity, where you come from, everything to do with what you believe in and the philosophy you subscribe to. And because of that, all of this pettiness between who is Sevaradi, who's not a Sevaradi, leave it for somebody else. I went to go... Uh, learn about their minhagim. 
וסיבבתי אלו העיירות, and I traveled through Gibraltar, Tangier, Rabat, Sali, Casablanca, וטיטואן. So I traveled through all these areas in Morocco. בטיטואן חגגתי חג השבועות, דהי שתה, and I celebrated the Shavuot of this last year. ובעיר הזאת, and in this city, יש בו י"ח בתי כנסיות מפוארות. There are 18 splendid בתי כנסת. ובית הכנסת העומדת תחת השגחת הגביר, משה טאוריל, And in the Bet HaKnesset that was under this, uh, the leadership of this man, Hirani Sefer Torah Echad Yashan Noshan. He showed me a very old Sefer Torah, Mikhtivat Rabbi Moshe Zabaro Atzmo, from the handwriting of Rabbi Moshe Zabaro. Shnayim or Shlosha Gilyanot, Nivlu Legamre. Two or three of the, of the columns because they were totally um, uh, crumbling, they were falling apart. Vesofer Acher Hetik Bidiuk Shorosh Ktivato. And another sofer imitated exactly his writing to copy it over. And they sewed it all together to make one sefer. He says, if you see the writing there, it is, it is he says, it's frightening how amazing that writing is. And in this community, they only read that sefer Torah on Yom HaKippurim. And now, my dear reader, said, so maybe by now I've bored you with all of these discussions back and forth about Sephardic letters or Ashkenazi letters. And you will find But you will find that the majority of the Chachamim are those who permit Sephardim and Ashkenazim to share the same Tzivrei Torah. And the difference in letters between Sephardim and Ashkenazim do not nullify anything. And for this reason, Ramsgate, and I have therefore in this community where I am now in Ramsgate, I'm in the community that Moshe Motifiori, a blessed memory, built. There were certain Sifrei Torah in our community that were written by Ashkenazi Sofrim, and the Chazan of the community did not want to use this Sifrei Torah. And he did not want to use them to read the parasha from them. And I told him, that he is mistaken in halakha, that we are allowed to use this Ashkenazi Sifrei Torah. And with thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, my words were heard. And now Korim Bahem, we read them. Uh, and I, I, Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin, receive aliyot in these Ashkenazi Sifrei Torah and Ramsgate based on what I wrote to you right now. There's so many Chachamim that say that things are permissible, but they don't actually do them themselves. So people say, yeah, when the rabbi eats that food, I'll do it too. When the rabbi does that tefillah, I'll do it too. When the rabbi Gagin reads from the Sefer Torah, I'll do it also. So Rabbi Gagin did it. And then he was, in his Batkneset, there were Sephardic and Ashkenazi Sifrei Torah. Vululei Sefarat HaMatirin, And if it was not for us relying on these Chachamim who permitted, oh, digdal ha-kera ve-a-pirud bena Sefaradim ve-Ashkenazim. We would drive in yet another wedge between the communities of Sefaradim and Ashkenazim. Dai lanu ba-amin hagim v'chamad dinim she-nanen achnum mishtavim. So it's bad enough there are some in hagim and actual halachot that we, the Sefaradim and Ashkenazim, have irreconcilable differences about. Et asher elu osrim elu matirin. The reality is what these permit, those prohibit. Another way around. What those prohibit, these permit. This one says it's kasher, this says not kasher. And even when it comes to our sidurim, our nosach, we cannot agree on it. And what is the reason for all of this? 
השינויים of all these differences, הגלות המר, this bitter exile, אשר פיזר אותנו בארבע כנפות הארץ, which scattered us to all four corners of the world. We're a family, one family, that has been torn apart through galut. We are now in the three weeks, we're approaching the nine days. You want to talk about Chuban, Ben Mikdash, the Chuban of the Jewish people? All of these problems, this division you see between Savardim and Ashkenazim, and all the subgroups and other subgroups and all of those different divisions, is because of our galut. Our galut caused us to be the, in this disastrous, catastrophic place we're in right now. When I was in Amsterdam, says Rav Gagin, I advised them. If only the Ma'amad of the Sephardim and the Va'ad of the Ashkenazim could get together. And they could uproot and destroy this minhag, this takana. And there will no longer be a hindrance or a stumbling block, a stumbling block between the two groups. And how beautiful would it be when brothers sit together with each other. But they refuse to accept my words. And may the good God uh, forgive them for their, their sin of continuing this division of the Jewish people. I'll tell you the truth is, there's no reason to get upset at the Jews of Amsterdam, or the Spanish, Portuguese, and Ashkenazi communities. I live in a place. When I was a rabbi once upon a time, of a Sephardic community on top of an Ashkenazi community, and sometimes, for whatever reason, there was a big event happening in the Ashkenazi sanctuary, so they would come and use our sanctuary to pray tefillah, mincha of Shabbat, or whatever it was. They wouldn't use our Sifrei Torah. They would go downstairs to bring Ashkenazi Sifrei Torah upstairs, just so that they shouldn't use our Sifrei Torah. When I founded Kila Char Shalayim, I made sure that our Kila, our Bima, has, it's a Teva, you know, when you read the Torah, but it also has a special mechanism that it can lift up so you can read an Ashkenazi Torah on it as well. It has times, by the way, where we have Ashkenazi Sifrei Torah that come through here, and we read them, we read them, and that's the way that Am Yisrael, how could it be that the Sefer Torah, the one book that we actually have in common, we're going to treat each other like we're aliens, like we're strangers, like we don't belong to the same people. And the halachic problems, halachic problems can be solved. Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin just showed you that halachic problems can be solved. By the way, there's one, two, three, four, four more pages of Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin's notes about this conversation, about the details of the letters and the shapes of the letters, and I didn't want to bore you with all of that today. But this is a problem that is real. It's a world that we're in right now. We're Sephardim and Ashkenazim, the basic Sefer Torah that we have, we cannot agree on. The basic Sefer Torah that we have, it's the one thing that unifies us. Our interpretations already divide us. At the very least, the Sifrei Torah that we have in our own Kodesh with us should be the same for all the Jews everywhere. You see a Sefer Torah, you hug it, you kiss it, you recite a blessing over it, you get an Aliyah on it. Do what you need to do because that's what keeps Am Yisrael together. And Bezat Hashem, next week we're going to take apart a whole new list of differences between Sefaradim and Ashkenazim. But I could not let this week pass, especially now in the three weeks right before the nine days, when I see that the Jewish community is torn up more than it's ever been torn up before. This topic needs to be discussed. Even if there are halachic differences between Sephardic communities and Ashkenazi communities, where there's a will, there's a way. If the Chachamim truly wish to reconcile differences and to make each other get along with the other, we are able to do it. There is a way for us to do it. And nothing should get in the way, especially not halacha, from keeping the Jewish people as one.
Bezat Hashem, we should marry that this time next week, we should already be back in Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim, Kodesh. And if we're not, so next week, Shio, I'll tell you that by this time next week, we should be in Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim, Kodesh. I wish everybody a beautiful week, Shabbat Tov, Shabbat Shalom when it comes, and Chodesh Tov, Bezat Hashem as well. Thank you so much for learning to all with me tonight.